Welcome back, everybody, to Chatterstorm, our Magic the Gathering podcast. Now, before we jump into the meat of the episode, follow us on Twitter. It's at ChatterstormPod. And disclaimer, we have a special episode for you today. It's just me and Sarah once again. Uh, Sam is out with a case of possibly COVID. I think you took a test, it's not COVID. Huh? I thought you took a test and it wasn't COVID. Um, well, he took a test today and he doesn't... Like the, I think he's taken a lateral flow test, which said it was negative, but he had to. He went to the hospital to get tested as well through the, oh, dr- the drive-through. So uh, yeah, he'll probably know in a few hours. Um, yeah, so possibly. Oh god, well, I hope he doesn't have COVID. Yeah, because we. Well, uh, no, what one because of him, but two because we'll have to isolate. Yeah, we'll again. have to isolate. Well, well we're we're double vaccinated. Do you? Oh have to no, have... yes. Oh, do you? Do you sorry, have to isolate. That, if you're that was vaccinated? a lot of noises. We have just past the two weeks of being double jabbed which means now i believe what we would have to do is isolate until we got the results of the pcr test and if that is negative then we don't have to isolate okay because you're not immune from getting covid if you get Mm -hmm. the jab nor you're immune from passing it on but yeah if we take a pcr test it's negative uh, then we're allowed yeah to not isolate i believe it has to be PCR, not lateral flow. Mm. Well, we'll find out later today. So you guys will get an update next <laughs> week on whether we're all self-isolating uh, <laughs> and we all have contracted COVID. Uh, at the moment, the jury is out on Sam. Oh, God bless him. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, just us again, which uh, means we're going to have a nice chilled out episode uh, and keep it a little bit more casual because we don't want Sam to miss out on being able to offer his insights on how Innistrad is going, uh, mm-hmm. how Midnight Hunt is going. That, of course, is the big news. Um, Innistrad Midnight Hunt is the latest magic set, and it's not out. But pre-releases were this weekend, um, which is super exciting. It means that people get to play with the cards for the first time. Uh, the set is now available to play on Arena as well. But yeah, if you're going to order singles and things, then technically releases next weekend. Uh, so you're still pre-ordering cards, but yeah, super exciting. We got to play with the cards for the first time over the weekend. Uh, we actually went to our first pre-release event in, uh, I don't know, like 18 months or something. Mm. Uh, probably, probably the first one I've been to since Throne of Eldraine or no, Theros, Theros Beyond Death uh, was the last one that I went to. And then, then we went into lockdown. Mm. Um, what about you, Sarah? What have you been up to? What's going on in your world in Magic? Uh, well, so you say we went to a pre-release event. event. We did, but we didn't play in the pre-release event. We didn't, yeah. We were about 30 minutes late to enter the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so we instead bought a pre-release pack and created a little pod of four for a commander game uh, and used that pack to split up the, and, and make some prizes, some, some Midnight Hunt prizes. Uh, for the for a, a group of people who w- couldn't or weren't intending to play in the tournament, um, and that was just because we we were a little bit late, so we we arrived after the tournament had started. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we still got to be in a local game store. We did with no risk, well, very little risk of exacerbating the pandemic. <laughs> I feel like you are correct. However. Sammy did play in the pre-release and now he might have COVID. Now, yeah, that's so true. Don't... Yeah, he did almost certainly pick up something. <laughs> right. From, <laughs> yeah, just, just before pre-release. just before you sort of, you know, go go, oh, go really off on point. so much of too much of a tangent tangent on that. We went to the Friday pre-release and then 
yesterday evening i think sammy said he's had a cold yes his illness manifested so <laughs> so he almost certainly picked <laughs> yeah. it up from the pre-release yeah you're right yeah because i did think i did think you know whilst we've been going to our local game store since it reopened on and off and they're pretty good you know they still ask you to wear masks and everything like that but this is the first time more people will have mixed since they opened mm-hmm. like we go and you pretty much go in your playgroup and you stay in your playgroup you maybe have a little chat with somebody but i don't think people mix as much they don't sit as close i did notice that when we walked in it felt a lot busier it definitely it's so we've been visiting uh, our local game store again for a few months now mm-hmm. uh, lockdown has not been in force in england for a little while so we have been going back a handful of times but yes uh sorry not yesterday uh friday when we went to the pre-release it was busy and it was the first place i have been that has been publicly busy i think for a really long time and it was quite surreal Uh, and it, it felt good because it felt really nice to see so many familiar faces in our local magic community um, to talk to people again, mm-hmm. did some trades yeah. for the first time. I swapped trade binders with somebody and and carried out some trades, uh, which is not something I've done in Paper Magic for such a long time. Uh, it, it felt good. It, it did feel good. It kind of felt like things were going back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, possibly we <laughs> <laughs> all contracted COVID from it. Uh, so we will see. Well, hopefully not. Yeah, I just I thought before you started talking about, you know, pre-releases in a pandemic world it's worth highlighting the fact that that's most more than likely where sammy picked up whatever he's got but hopefully it's just the cold we are coming into the start of autumn now so mm-hmm. maybe it's just a seasonal change cold <laughs> or it's covid and then that will be really awful yep excellent excellent sam did play mm-hmm. uh, in the tournament though um and I don't think he'll mind us sharing his tournament results. He did pretty good. Uh, it was a local store pre-release. Uh, it was, I think, three games instead of four. Yes, it was. And Sam won two and drew one. It mm-hmm. kind of came came down to a uh, a third game running out of time. Yeah. Uh, so he did well. I think he built Green White Coven Splashing Red for yes. a rare... Uh, oh, for Rem Carolus, yeah. So Rem Carolus is a white red creature which has like flying and haste. Okay. Uh, so it's it's a decent aggressive card, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I think I think he splashed for that with like an evolving worlds and things like that. Uh, so he built a pretty decent sealed pool. If anybody's curious, let us know, and I'm sure we can get the list off of Sam. Although I I don't know whether he's deconstructed the deck already. We'll see. Um, but yeah, he, he did pretty well. Um, and I think we did all right as well in our pre-release. Uh, so we bought one box and split it up in yeah. between a, a commander pod. Uh, the promo that we got was uh, Lord of the Forsaken is four black black for a creature demon. It's a 6-6. Six, six. It has flying and trample. And it has uh, black, sacrifice another creature, target player mills three cards. Pay one life. Add colorless, spend this mana only to cast a spell from your graveyard. Um, and it's a really good card. It's a really good card for milling yourself, and then get, uh, you can you pay life to create mana to play spells out of your graveyard. So it's uh, it is really strong in commander. Um, I don't know. If, I think it's a bit too expensive for most constructed formats. But in a commander deck that wants to uh, that has a lot of graveyard synergy, this is 
a great card. Great mm-hmm. pull. Um, and I think a couple of other really decent cards that we pulled as well. Uh, like the um, oh, the green creature, Augur of Autumn. Yes, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, we, we, we got of one of those. Uh, and that was just in our six draft booster pre-release uh, pack and then two yeah, set booster. Yeah, I was going to say booster. we got two set boosters as well, didn't we? Yeah. Um, as a prize for not competing in the tournament. I think it was just part <laughs> of buying the box, wasn't yeah. it? It was just like an additional bonus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one thing that I did like about this pre-release event was uh, it was the first time that I used the MTG Companion app, mm-hmm. uh, which is a pretty new addition to the Paper Magic space. But uh, I don't know if your guys' local game stores are using it. Uh, I'm not really sure how that works, but our local game store asked us to use it to register for the event. Uh, using it allowed us to enter into a promo pack raffle, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it's uh, an app that kind of helps tournament organizers uh, or lo- local game stores organize their tournaments. Yeah. You can submit your results through there. You can you can keep track of life through there. You can see who you're facing. You can see your results and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really, really nice. I actually, I really like this app and it's far superior to the old ways of FNM where uh, our local game store owner would stand up in the store and oh, yeah. and shout and people's shout. names yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pronounce things wrong and people would I mean, like there'd be multiple have, people yeah. called Josh and uh, yeah and, and then also you know they, they'd shout uh, Josh versus Phil and I don't know who Phil is yeah I stand up look around yeah, because they did, wouldn't even say, like, and we're just you're like... on this table. You just say two names, and then yeah. unless you know that person, but everyone's looking around because they're saying everyone's yeah. name. everybody's just looking around like, okay, who looks Phil, like they're called Josh? <laughs> um, this is much better. Mm-hmm. Although, if there aren't designated tables, then you would probably still have to try and find someone. Maybe... Maybe there are designated tables, though, because we didn't actually... Whilst we used the app, basically, just to get the promo pack, mm-hmm. and they said that... Uh, I believe it helps them with what they get from Wizards because it shows them how many people are turning up to their events. I think it's something yeah, like mm-hmm, that. That's right. Um, but we didn't actually enter the event. We entered the com- casual commander event, mm-hmm. not the oh, yes, it's pre-release. A good point, yeah. So there may have been a whole different system that we didn't actually have access yeah. to. It's a good way for Wizards to be able to track um, who's playing what mm-hmm. and when. Uh, and it, it does help your local game store. Uh, if you register when you go and play there, then the wizards know that you're there playing and that means they can give that store more support. Yeah. Uh, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I like the MC Companion app. I, I think it's a pretty good addition to Paper Magic and it's nice to see Paper Magic get a little support. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the last couple of years, it's been a little bit ropey. People, people have not been sure whether Paper Magic will actually, would survive the pandemic. Um, I don't think it would have had it not been for Commander. Because, like, we came across with that other group of people. We were in the back room playing Commander. And they said that they all took up Commander during the pandemic. Yep. As did we, really. I think we we had maybe one Commander deck each before the pandemic started. Yeah, we didn't play much Commander before the pandemic. We definitely um, played a lot more Commander post-pandemic. You Mm. are right. Uh, I do think that you've got to think about Modern and stuff as well. But I do think Commander was... I feel like I've read or maybe someone said it on YouTube video that Commander was the most popular format in like 2020. This is correct. Commander is the most popular um, Magic the Gathering format. Was that prior to the pandemic? 
Or... I don't. I don't know. Actually, I just I know it is now. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure what it was a couple of years ago. Um, but it was really good to get back into mm-hmm. uh, a game store. Of course, if we've contracted COVID, <laughs> then we'll, we'll have to rethink that. We'll have to reassess that, um, and we'll have to let everybody know. <laughs> But uh, it was really good. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it was a really, really nice vibe. It, it real nice sense of community. Uh, and first time I've bought any packs in a long, long time. Um, that's the first time I've ever bought packs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we, we went halves on the uh, pre-release pack. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't think... Well, because I'm not really a pack-buying person. Buy singles. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't get... I don't really get the little buzz. It's fun to open a pack, but it's not fun enough to spend like ten, fifteen pound to get a bunch of cards you're not going to use. Yeah. So I've never bought a pack before because I've never needed to. Um, and I probably won't buy one again. <laughs> <laughs> never buy another pack. What? Not? I don't. I don't think I would ever buy the like three for ten pound or three for whatever they are. Oh yeah. Well, what is your Magic the Gathering finance philosophy? You know, where would you spend your money when it comes to Magic? Uh, and are there any things that some people do that you really don't understand? What's your philosophy like when it comes to MTG finance? Um, I don't understand people that buy... Is it the set boosters? And I think we'll gather how much I don't buy this kind of stuff because I'm not even sure what the proper names are. But is it the set boosters that's like the things that cost £99? Uh, yeah, you can get like 90 to a... Well, it depends on the set. Most mainline sets, I think, are about £90. Okay. And you get 30 packs in there, I think. Yeah, I don't understand a one person buying that for themselves mm-hmm. for like every set. That seems absolutely ludicrous to me because you're surely not. What are you going to do with them? You think of your commons and uncommons box alone, Josh. That you've what mainly probably filled up from packs that you've got as a result of playing in FNMs rather than packs you bought, right? Yes, that's right. And you do barely anything with them. Yeah, yeah, this is correct. What if you want to draft with them? Yeah, so I think with boxes and things like that, what we did was great. We bought, I know we didn't use it to draft, we used it as a prize, but I think paying for it to do something socially with your friends mm-hmm. makes sense because then I feel like you're paying for the social aspect as well. Yeah. But just buying the cards to have, how many did you say? 30 packs. 30 packs, yeah. That seems ludicrous to me. Okay, so the uh, the feeling that some people enjoy of, of opening a pack of magic cards mm-hmm. you don't get that i get that i just don't it's not worth the money for you yes i don't think it warrants spending 90 pounds mm-hmm. for that potential slight excitement so you would buy a like we did buy something like a pre-release kit to use as prizes in a commander pod mm-hmm. or you, i would enter that. or i would also enter a pre-release you would enter a pre-release yes because i would enter it well i mean I'm pretty sure I would enter it. The reason I'm unsure is because I don't know if I'm good enough to play in a pre-release, but that's well my own feelings rather than... Anyone and everyone is good enough to enter yes. a pre-release. Yes, but... They are not competitive tournaments. Uh, and often new players uh, will show up at pre-release events and learn how to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, if you're playing in a pre-release, or if you're thinking about entering a pre-release event and you're not very confident in your magic skills, know that they are not competitive tournaments. Uh, and you should, and your local game store should make you feel welcome. And I think that they will. Yeah, oh yeah. This I is, hope. This and is... if they don't, come to ours. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely an in-my-head thing. I I know you're right. You guys were saying on Friday after Sammy played, he said that one person that he played against reminded him 
of when he used to first play in FNN is just that little bit slower, but you kind of just let them figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but aside from that, I would buy a pre-release kit to play in a pre-release event, but I'd be paying to play in the event, not to get the cards. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, buying car- buying a pack of cards that you're unsure what you're going to get just to buy the cards doesn't make any sense to me. If there is something attached to it... Like, I would even, with our playgroup of eight, buy a booster box or whatever we would need to buy for us to do a draft between us. Like, I mean, I wouldn't just buy myself, but mm. between us I would buy that, because that would be fun. So, I get where you're coming from. Um, I am the same. I, I am happy to spend money on magic, mm-hmm. but... Uh, not to collect cards. Yes. Because cards that I'm not playing with uh, buy singles, basically. Is, yes. <laughs> but that's the, the summary of that point. Um, I would play in a store draft or a sealed event or something like that or a pre-release. Not because I want the cards. Yeah. Um, purely because of the community aspect. Being able to enter a pre-release is kind of a fun community thing. Mm-hmm. Um you get to play against people that you perhaps don't don't normally play against or put people that you know in it and you can kind of connect over the game. Um, so there's a real community benefit to entering local game store events and I really like that. I do think that when it comes to the joy of drafting, so let's say I really enjoy drafting, mm-hmm. then I am I wouldn't draft in paper for that reason. Yes. I wouldn't enter a paper draft because I like drafting. Uh, I would say that if you really like drafting or you really like sealed, then, and I can't believe I'm, <laughs> yep. I can't believe I'm going to say that. Oh, arena is probably your best option. Um, arena is actually really good for limited, especially if you want to play a lot of limited. Um, and if you want to buy a, a set booster box or something so that you can draft to play sealed with your friends, like your sort of kitchen table, mm-hmm. build a cube. Yeah. Build a cube. Um, if you don't have the cards to build a cube, then sure, buy a set booster box or something. But most Magic players who've been playing for even uh, you know a few months have a collection of Magic cards. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it just happens. Um, so build a cube out of the cards that you've got and... Cubes are often much more fun than drafts because you can control the card pool and you can kind of practice your game design skills and tweak the game a little bit. Um, And that's much more fun. Kitchen table, cubes have massive replayability and it's reusable, much, much Mm -hmm. cheaper. uh, And you're not having to buy new product every time you want to do it. So I think what it really boils down to for me is that when it comes to Paper Magic, um, I'm happy to spend my money where I get like a community benefit out of it, where yeah. I get a, um, you know, a, a, I get to play in store or I get to play something special with my friends. Uh, but I wouldn't spend money on paper magic to collect cards or because I like playing magic. Um, I think that if you want to play loads and loads of magic, arena is your best option mm-hmm. uh if you if you know you're going to spend loads of time playing magic anyway then actually arena is very good if you don't play very often then arena is really bad yeah um but if you're already sinking the time into magic and you want to play a whole bunch of drafts don't spend 12 pounds a draft playing a draft every day at your local game store i would say that arena is better for you there 
Uh, but I would definitely say that pre-releases, uh, drafts, sealed events, all kinds of local events, they're fun because they get the community together mm-hmm. and they support a local business most of the time. Um, and I'm, of course, I'm referring to like chain game stores there, which can't really be called a local business. But uh, that's what my philosophy philosophy boils down to with MTG Finance. I, I'm happy to spend, spend my money on Magic, but uh, uh, I think that when it comes to paper magic, there, there really has to be a a, uh, a a sense of community for me to be for me to want to pay for it. I, I wouldn't want to just play a draft to collect cards. I wouldn't want to play a paper draft just because I like to draft. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the, that's the most efficient way to do it. And I probably wouldn't buy a set booster box to draft. I would probably maybe once I would, if it's a new set that's just come out, maybe I would buy a set booster box to draft with my friends. And then I would make a cube. Mm. What about... You sort of haven't actually spoke about buying cards for your decks in any of that. Does that just go without saying? Uh, well, I thought that was covered by buy singles. <laughs> but you've just said now, you said what you wouldn't wouldn't spend pay, money on for paper magic. You said it was you would only spend money on things for like an event or to do things with your friends. Yeah, this is a good point. So I, I would also buy singles. I try and buy all my singles through my local game store, and if I can't get them from there, then I'll buy them from actually just other game stores in the area. Uh, and I almost always can get the cards that I need that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yes, I, I do also spend... Uh, I'm happy to spend money on singles for local game stores. In fact, I would rather spend... Uh, so I think... Let's say there's a pre-release coming up and I'm not that fussed about playing in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't want to go to my local game store and just hang out and not spend any money. Yeah. Um, So I would rather, in that scenario, spend £20 on a really expensive card, one single card, Mm -hmm. um, than play in a pre-release event that I'm not really that invested in and walk away with a handful of cards that I'm not going to use. Yeah. Uh, So I'm actually a big fan of, of kind of spending your disposable income that's allocated for magic on singles yeah definitely um and along that note uh sarah and i did an exercise not long ago where we decided to go through the entire innistrad midnight hunt set as we know it at the moment all the cards that are available in the 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 main set so not the commander decks Mm -hmm. um and we put together a hypothetical scenario where money is not an object and we can buy any cards that we want but the condition is that we have to use all of the cards that we buy index we already own. index we already own yeah they have to go into some deck that we have in paper somewhere mm-hmm. uh, and we thought if we do this we'll add up how much it would cost us to purchase the singles that we want from this set mm-hmm. um and it was an interesting mental exercise and actually, it showed me that, I mean, it really highlights for me how much money you can save just buying singles yeah. instead of trying to collect cards. Uh, so let's go through, shall we, Sarah, uh, the cards that we wanted to buy mm-hmm. from the set and why, and then we'll leave the totals up for the end. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the first one for me uh is an addition to pauper consider yeah which is uh one blue 
Uh, or that's we don't say one blue, do we? We say a blue, a blue, <laughs> or just blue. Uh, for an instant, which lets you look at the top three cards of your library um, and put, I think, two into the graveyard. No, no. Look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard draw card. Ah, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I would want a playset of this. It would be for Pauper. This card is dirt cheap, uh, and it's really just to experiment with, uh, to see how it does in Gurmag Angler decks uh, that are like blue-black, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I play in Pauper. So it might be better because it loads the graveyard a little more quickly, Yeah. Uh, which is great for delve cards. So I would want to give that a go. What about you? What's an, a card from the set that you are definitely... Or if money wasn't an object, you would definitely mm-hmm. buy and play. Well, I will talk about my uh, one and only card for Pauper as well, which is Falcon Abomination, mm-hmm. which we spoke about last week. I think it was one of the cards you spoke about for the um, like cards you're interested in, in Pauper. It definitely came up in that yeah. conversation. Uh, and it would be for my Blue White Flyers deck. I would pick up three because it would be to replace... Um, oh. I'm having a moment, I can't remember the card. Uh, You're going to remember it before me. Even Eternal. Even Eternal, yes. Uh, so Falcon Abomination is two and a blue for a zombie bird, 2-2 two, two, with flying, and when Falcon Abomination enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token with a decayed. Uh, Avon Eternal, I believe it's three mana as well. Mm-hmm. And it creates a zombie army, which would be a 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they have different uses so i would pick up three of these to test them out in the deck mm-hmm. and see which one was better is there anything else that you'd pick up for your pauper decks uh no that is it yeah the yeah. same for me it, it, there wasn't a whole lot for pauper in this set as we mentioned on a previous episode mm-hmm. um there's just a couple of cards that are kind of worth experimenting with in pauper but nothing really revolutionary yeah there is a bit more for commander though yes so one of my commander decks is a bant flicker deck and so i was looking through the midnight hunt uh, set for any cards that have good etbs um or any cards that let me flicker uh the creatures mm-hmm. exile them and return them back to the battlefield and there are several uh there is hallowed respite which is a blue white spell that lets you flicker a creature and it has flashback so this is really really nice uh and uh, an absolute definite pickup uh, in my Flicker deck, it's a, it's a really good Flicker spell and it has that built-in mm-hmm. recursion, which is just super powerful and really, really handy. Uh, then there are some good Flicker targets, one of them being Primal Adversary, which is a mythic in the set. It's two and a green for a 4-3 were- uh, wolf, not a werewolf, <laughs> wolf, no were. It has Trample and it reads, when Primal Adversary enters the battlefield, you may pay one and a green any number of times. When you pay this cost one or more times, put that many 1-1 counters on Primal Adversary. Then, up to that many target lands you control, become 3-3 three, three wolf creatures with haste that are still lands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my Flicker deck ramps a whole bunch, and this is a potential win con in the deck. Um, it And it's one that I could play on turn 3 if I wanted, and I could flicker it 5-6 turns later, yeah. and then... Uh, its ETB would trigger, I could pay 10 mana, 
um, put five counters on it, it's probably not going to attack, so that's no big deal, but it's nice and beefy for the next turn. Mm -hmm. uh, and I could turn ten of my lands into three threes, which, if I follow that up next turn with an end race four runners, is game ending. Yeah. So this is a uh, a finisher in the deck that I would definitely buy, and it's a really cool mythic in the set. Um, two lands as well I would want for my Flicker deck. Uh, overgrown farmland and deserted beach. So they're part of the rare land cycle in Midnight Hunt, um, which gives us ally colours, and they're kind of slow lands. They enter the battlefield... Um, untapped if you control two or more other yeah. lands um so i would want this for my flicker deck because it's a very slow and defensive deck but my other decks are a lot more aggressive i think and i don't actually want these lands for an aggressive deck if if i need to have really good turn one two and three plays for a deck i do not want a tapped land that comes in tapped yeah. So I am not going to be buying any of this rare land cycle for my faster decks. It's going to be the slow control decks that I buy for. Uh, and so just those two rare lands that I would want to pick up. Another one is um, Enduring Angel. So this is a really interesting one. It's two white, white, white for a creature angel. And it's a 3-3. Three, three. It has flying and double strike. It reads, you have hexproof. And if your life total would be reduced to zero or less, instead transform Enduring Angel and your life total becomes three. Then, if Enduring Angel didn't transform this way, you lose again. Okay. And on the other side of it is Angelic Enforcer, which is a an angel creature with star star as its power and toughness. Mm -hmm. It has flying. Uh, it reads, you have hexproof. Angelic Enforcer's power and toughness are each equal to your life total. And whenever Angelic Enforcer attacks, double your life total. So I want to pick this up for my Flicker deck as well, because I see a very interesting potential cheese strategy. Okay. Um, this is a five mana spell. Um, once I've got it down, it's basically uh, the next time I would lose the game from damage, I, I, d I don't. I get another chance, right? Yeah. Um, and it comes back transformed as Angelic Enforcer. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say I've got Angelic Enforcer on my battlefield, Sarah. Yes. And I've got three life left. Yep. What would happen if I flickered Angelic Enforcer? It would come back as Enduring Angel. It would come back on the front side. Yeah. Which means that the next time I would take any damage and lose, go down to zero life, yep, again you would. I would again not lose the game. Mm -hmm. I would go up to three life. And it would turn back into Angelic Enforcer. And if I could flicker it again, yeah. it would come back as the other side. So I see a potential, I can't lose the game. Mm -hmm. That's a uh, cheese strategy with this card, which I would really want to give a try. How would it, you know what it says then, if Enduring Angel didn't transform this way, you lose the game. Yeah. So can you interact with a card transforming? Yes. Yeah, so if you were to kill Enduring Angel on the stack. Okay. So it's just, there's not like a way to specifically stop transforming from day to night not at the moment there are no cards or abilities which i don't think mm -hmm. there are any cards or abilities that like stop a card from transforming so although that is a really interesting idea for a card well i was just reading that and i was like well how 
I kind of forgot the obvious of just killing the creature. I was just trying to think, well, yeah. how, how would you not? How would you stop it transforming? You can't. Mm. It just happens. So it would be something. Well, I guess there is actually. There is a way to stop a card from transforming. Okay. Um, nothing that says stop target card from transforming. Yeah. But you could kill a creature that's transforming. That yeah. would stop it. Yeah. You could play something um, with. Uh, uh, so there's a card that ends the turn. Um, okay. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Is it? It's time something, uh, but if you if you were to play a card that ended the turn or cleared the stack in any way, mm-hmm. that would stop it from transforming. Okay. Um, or you could counter an activated ability. Well, no, this isn't an activated ability. This is a triggered yeah. ability. Uh, if and if you could counter a triggered ability, which you can do with something like whirlwind denial, is one card that can do that. Uh, then it wouldn't transform as well. So there are ways to stop it. Okay. And yeah, I'd want to pick this card up to play around with that cheese trap because that sounds like it could be horrible. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, and then there is also Sludge Monster. Uh, so this is the final one I would want to pick up for my Flicker deck. Sludge Monster is a blue creature. It's five mana. When it enters the battlefield, I put a slime counter on a creature and any creatures with slime counters on them that aren't horrors lose all abilities and become tutus. Okay. And this is a really, really horrible way to yeah. just crap on everybody's commanders. Yeah. Um, so if Sludge Monster dies, uh, then the ability goes away. But being able to flick a Sludge Monster a few times, I could effectively turn off everybody's commanders in mm-hmm. a way that means that they can't just be put back into the command zone, yeah. which seems very powerful to me. Um, and seems quite mean and I don't know if it would stay in the main deck because it seems like quite a not very fun to play well you have that one that makes a a commander an indestructible insect that's worse than this yes but that is only one Mm, that's Uh, true yes you're right so I I do run dark steel mutation yeah but you can flicker that as well can't you and move it to someone else yeah so that's the same as this because you can only do okay so you play sludge monster and you put a slime counter on my commander yep but then you flicker it, you said that that would then take the ability away. And my commander would no longer be... Because then that's no different to the one that makes it an indestructible insect, right? That is correct. Uh, it's not how the card works, though. So that's my mistake. Okay. Um, the way that it works with Sludge Monster is that the cards will keep the slime counters. Whatever you put the slime counter on will keep it if Sludge Monster re- leaves the battlefield. Right, I see. But if Sludge Monster isn't on the battlefield, it's then... It's just an irrelevant counter. It's an irrelevant... Yeah, exactly. It's okay, an irrelevant counter. I see. So if I were to flick a Sludge Monster and put a slime counter onto someone else's commander, then when Sludge Monster comes back in, both of your commanders yes. do nothing. Okay, I see. Um, And yeah, this seems like a really mean strategy. That is really mean because counters are... Are more difficult to remove. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really. Um, I do play uh, Kenrith Transformation and Dark Steel Mutation, which both do a similar thing. Mm-hmm. The difference is there's there's two big differences. One, they can only target one commander at a time or one one creature at a time. I could move them. I could flicker those enchantments to move them somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but it would only be one at a time. Sludge Monster could single-handedly lock down the entire battlefield. Yeah. Um, and two, enchantments are harder to flicker than creatures. Mm-hmm. So this is an expensive creature and, you know, five mana is a lot. Um, it is a five, five. It's got good stats, but it's meh. Yeah. Like the, 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 I don't know whether it would, um, it would make 
like it would stay very long in the deck because it seems like an expensive card. I don't know whether it would be good enough. Um, you have to pay for it once, though. You do, but five mana is a lot, and so with my Bant Flicker deck, it's a very defensive deck. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to spend five mana um, doing something that isn't really, really keeping me alive. But five mana for a five-five that deals with the biggest threat on the board yeah Yeah. no you're right actually this is just very good uh yeah it might just if i find that this is not fun to play against and same with enduring angel i would play these cards i would give them a go in the deck i think it's very possible that they won't be fun to play against Mm -hmm. uh in which case i'll sub them out but i would definitely give them a try um and that is it so there's i think like four or five cards there that will i would definitely pick up for my Bant Flicker deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's a pretty good haul, yeah. I would say. For a new set, uh, getting, you know, five or six new cards that you'd want to put in one of your commander decks is pretty decent. What about you? Give me another deck that you have thought about fleshing out with some of the new cards that we got in Midnight Hunt. Well, most of the ones I want to pick up are for Taser, which I think makes sense based on the fact type that you of... play favourites. <laughs> based on the type of deck that she is and the yeah what's in the set i think but i have i do want to pick up one which will either be for rin and seri which is cat dog tribal or atraxa which i play as infect um and i don't want to pick up two because uh it bear with me one second while i get it up it costs like four two and then four green or something so i think it's gonna be quite difficult to cast it is called unnatural growth and it costs one and four green for an enchantment that at the beginning of each combat double the power and toughness of each creature you control until end of turn. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good card and really good in both of those decks because the only way I really win with Rin and Seri is by going wide and attacking people. Mm-hmm. And I win with Attractor with Infect. Well, Unnatural Growth, yeah, I guess it's better in go wide strategies because you get more of an improvement, like yeah. more of a buff. Um and so with Atraxa, it buffs your infect creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because Atraxa is a four-color deck and Renaceria is a three-color deck, it being four green, I feel like I will potentially end up having to take out of either deck because I find it too difficult to cast. I agree. Four green pips is a big, big ask, and I don't mm-hmm. think that you'll be able to play that in a uh, in any multicolored deck. Me neither, but I do have some stuff in the tracks are like um lantern oh my god chromatic lantern? chromatic lantern yeah and things like that that make all of your lands tap for any color because i struggle with lands in a tracker so that would make it a little bit more likely mm. um i want to pick it up because i think it's really good but i don't want to pick up two because i see a very likely scenario where i'm just taking it out of the decks because i can't cast it yeah so actually what I would do, which is a bit off topic, but I would proxy this first to check if it was playable before I actually bought it. Yeah, so in this scenario... Um, of no money. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's a hypothetical exercise. Uh, but yeah, sure, if you want to proxy and test it first, I would encourage anybody to do that. Uh, I do. I reckon that with... Uh, was it four green pips? Four green pips, I reckon yeah. with four green pips, you're not putting it in either deck. Yeah. Uh, you're not playing. It's just not getting I cast. do. I do agree. It was kind of... I think it's a really good card. And it would be really good in either of those decks, but it is going to be difficult to cast. I kind of just wanted something that wasn't just for Taser. Yeah. And I just didn't really find a lot in either of the deck, in the set for either of the decks. So I thought 
that would be good but yeah i i i think i'll proxy it in in real life not in money's no object um i'll proxy it never get to play it get mad about it and then not buy it <laughs> basically yeah okay yeah. So the rest of the cards that I want to pick up from this new set are all going to be for Tessa. I think that makes sense. One, she's my favourite deck. And two, I think the theme of the set kind of matches mostly with Tessa from the decks that I have. So one of the cards I want to pick up is actually one that I got in the pack. Uh, some of the packs that we picked up from our little pre-release kit. Which I hadn't, I hadn't come across before. So it's Ethan Alive, one black for a sorcery. Uh, as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or pay three and a black. Exile type creature or planeswalker. So in Taser, which I play as a sacrifice deck, it's basically a one mana removal for a creature or planeswalker. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean it's a it's a functional spark harvest, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, except is spark harvest a destroy? Uh, or is it an exile? No, spark harvest is destroy. I'm fairly okay, certain. Okay, so this was probably better because yeah. it actually exiles something as well. So yeah, a, a, a power. A power-up spark harvest sounds great. Mm -hmm. um, if it doesn't take another slot of, of, as removal in the deck, then it could probably just replace spark harvest. So I think it's yeah, really solid yes. print. And uh, there was another one actually that I packed, which so that is already in Taser, as is this one. Mm -hmm. um, Necrosynthesis. Yeah. One in a black for an enchantment aura. Um, and it reads, Enchant creature, Enchanted creature has, whenever another creature dies, put a 1-1 one -one counter on this creature. When Enchanted creature dies, look at the top X cards of your library where X is its power, put one of those cards into your hand, and the rest are on the bottom of your library in a random order. So one of Tace's abilities is that she doubles death triggers. So I would get to two look at counters. two X cards. Well, two counters. Oh yeah, and two counters. Yeah, yeah so it could be upwards of however many cards, depending on when mm. that creature dies. Because it's every time a creature dies. Yeah. So potentially, I could tutor within reason a card. Yeah, if, if you're looking at a lot of cards, it's, mm -hmm. it's close to being as good as tutoring. Which, I, yeah, I, I'm sure there's a way to kind of make that happen. So two mana for a version of tutoring feels like a no-brainer to at least try in the deck mm -hmm. and it is already in there because as i said i packed it um so yeah that's the two that came uh, that i hadn't uh, seen at all but mm -hmm. came out of the packs then we have a couple that i already spoke about last week because they were um in my top three cards for commander from the set yeah so one of them is vanquish the horde which is six White white for a sorcery. This spell costs one less to cast. Sorry, for each creature on the battlefield, destroy all creatures. This is going to always cost me two white mana in Tesa, mm -hmm. because it's a creature heavy deck. Also, a afterlife heavy deck, which would be doubled because of Tesa. So it, yeah, it's always going to cost me two. Mm. I was also going to pick it up for Rinseri because. There's no board wipes or anything here in Seri, but you talked me out of it. I did? Yeah, you said, no decks need board wipes. I don't really think that's what Rin and Seri needs. I don't know if that actually, now that I'm saying it, if that was you trying to yeah. make Rin and Seri not as good. Yeah, I, I was probably just trying to sabotage <laughs> you. Every deck needs board wipes. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which is... I do think only one or two. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, I find this an interesting choice because it's a decent board wipe, right? Um, but it's um, would it replace a board wipe in Taser? Because Taser is a creature heavy deck, and yeah. you don't really want to be wiping the board all the time. You don't with Taser, but you're more favourable depending on what point you're in at the game. If you're at a point where you have a lot of your afterlife and death trigger creatures still out, then a board wipe is favourable because a board wipe I will rebuild from because of the afterlife creatures and I will get a bunch of triggers such as draw a card for each creature that's died, gain life, etc, etc. There's a bunch of different ones in Taser. So I think whilst Taser is a creature heavy deck, she is also a deck that benefits from creatures dying. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So it's kind of controlling... Well, I was, I was going to say it's kind of controlling... Uh, so you're almost using it as a potentially a sack outlet. Yeah. Um, like a mass sack outlet, which... Well, I feel like just using sack outlets would be better. Potentially, but isn't it nice to just pay two white to destroy all creatures? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep, can't disagree with that. But I don't know... So off the top of my head... Um, I think Kai's Wrath might be the only board wipe I have in Taser. I have a lot of spot removal. Um, but I, the only board wipe that comes to mind is Kai's Wrath, and I wouldn't replace this with Kai's Wrath. Whilst Kai's Wrath is a lot more difficult to cast because it's too white, too black, um, I do gain life for each creature. So it's very flavoursome. It is, yeah, it just works, doesn't it? I like to have, I have all three Tasers in the Taser deck. Mm -hmm. And Kaya. And Kaya. So, yeah, if, if if I had to replace it with a board wipe, then it wouldn't go in. But I do think it's a really good board wipe, two mana. Absolutely, it's a really good board wipe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll buy it for Rin and Sari instead, then. Mm. Buy one, go between the two. I think Rin and Sari... I feel like you could do something better with Rin and Sari. I think I need more targeted removal in Rin and Sari, more so than board wipes. Well, you've got targeted removal stapled onto the commander in Rin and Sari. I have, but that is situational, and I haven't always found it to be particularly great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's I, I, Having played against that deck a few times, you very rarely actually use Rin and Sari's tap ability. Yeah, I, I barely ever. Mm. It, even though it, it makes a lot of... The deck makes a lot of creatures because Rin and Seri, uh If you play a cat, you get a dog token. If you play a dog, you get a cat token. I still haven't found the ability where you uh, pay green, red, white, tap it, and then I think it's this way around. It's one of the two. I think you get... You deal damage equal to the number of... Dogs. Dogs you control, and you gain life equal to the number of cats you control. Yeah. Yeah, it's that way around. Yeah, I just haven't found that to be super great which doesn't really make sense in a deck that makes a lot of creatures but I yeah I just don't think I've ever really pulled it off yeah I think that it could be an interesting build for the deck um, if you were to put in more of the green and potentially white uh, spells that help you untap okay yeah um, so you could potentially tap and untap Rin and Seri several times um, in one turn and start to really like like using that ability two or three times in a turn suddenly turns a board with five cats and four dogs on it into 15 life and 13 12 
mm-hmm. 12 damage. Yeah. I can math. Uh, <laughs> um, which is all of a sudden very, very good. And that's all for three mana per turn, which is which is really solid. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's probably, I mean, so, we're getting... Yeah, we're getting way off topic. Yeah, we're getting way off topic. <laughs> but that's I think that's a potential interesting twist on the deck. Yeah. Okay, so maybe... Maybe it's not Vanquish mm. the Horde. But I don't know, two mana for a board wipe is just great. It is definitely a premium board wipe. Yeah. Um, but that's not a reason to yeah. put it in, just because it's a premium board wipe. It is if money is no object. So yeah. I can understand it being on this list. <laughs> is there anything else that you would more definitely want to pick up? Yes. So there is another one, uh, which was in my top three commander cards from last week, which is the Meat Hook Massacre which costs X black black for a legendary enchantment. When the meat hook massacre enters the battlefield, each creature gets minus X minus X until the end of turn. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. Whenever a creature an opponent control dies, you gain one life. And like I said, I talked about this last week, but it's essentially a board wipe if you dump the mana into it. Mm-hmm. And as I just said, Taser doubles death triggers. So every time one of my creatures dies, everyone would lose two life. And then I do have some other creatures in Taser that gain me life in a variety of ways. Um, sorry, that opponents lose life when I gain life. Mm. Like Veto? Yes, Veto is one of them. Um, so it could be, in the right scenario, it could win me the game. It could be a bit of a finisher. Yeah, so it could be a win con. It's mm-hmm. a decent early gameplay and it's a good defensive spell because it can be a board wipe yeah it's kind so of it's very versatile yeah and versatile spells are really really underrated by some newer players i think being able to have a spell fill multiple roles in your deck is a really powerful way to uh make your deck just work so much more consistently mm-hmm. yeah and i think i mean this is another mythic in the set and it looks really really good it looks yeah. Like it's going to be a strong card potentially in standard. I think it's, it'll be pricey, mm-hmm. um, but the artwork is really <laughs> very Jarring. yeah yeah. The, the artwork is quite tilting mm-hmm. as well, which can be an advantage if you throw the you know full art version of this at yep. someone side across the table. It it'll tilt them a little bit, <laughs> and every little helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so along those lines, another card that I think the artwork is quite tilting for is. Flesh Taker, which costs a white and a black for a human assassin 2-2 that reads, whenever you sacrifice another creature, you gain one life and scry one, and you can pay one to sacrifice another creature, Flesh Taker gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. So this thing would be pretty good in Taser. It has a sack outlet on it, Mm. which is good. And I will gain one life and scry one every time I sacrifice another creature. So... I have mixed feelings about this card. Yes, this... It's good and bad. So I will just say, this is definitely... It's actually a really cheap card, but Mm. it's definitely in the list more so because money's not an object. Yeah. Which I also took to mean you can be a bit more freer with... But you have to... Well, one of the conditions of this situation is you have to actually play the card. Yeah. And I think that Flesh Taker is... I don't think it's very good. Um, I don't think it's very good in your Taser Karlov deck. You don't? Yeah. So, yes, it's a sack outlet, but mm-hmm. it's a sack outlet that you have to pay mana for. And yeah. there are plenty of sack outlets that you do not have to pay mana for. And that's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, when you sacrifice creatures, you scry one and gain their life. And that's not even, that doesn't really synergize with Taser. 
Um, Sacrifice. Yeah, it's a sack outlet that you have to pay for, though. No, but uh, it also has a passive sacrifice ability. Yes, but a single card that read something... So something like Cruel Celebrant, mm-hmm. when a creature dies, you gain a life and each opponent loses a life. Yeah. That is much, much better because it doubles with Taser's triggered ability. Mm-hmm. Um this does not double. It doesn't really synergize with Taser, and it's a. F- I think um, even Meat Hook. Uh, sorry, what's it called? Flesh Taker mm-hmm. getting stronger when you sacrifice creatures uh, w- with it. Really, just isn't. Uh, I don't see it as very synergistic with what the rest of the deck is trying to do. Uh, where this card is good is how tilting it is. Um, so the artwork depicts what looks. At a glance, to be a uh, a bipedal cow creature, like mm-hmm. a minotaur. It looks like a minotaur. Um, but the type line is human assassin, which is really quite jarring because it kind of hits you that it's actually a guy wearing a cow's head, mm-hmm. which is quite horrifying. Um, and I think that's the best thing about the card. I, th- I think it'll be a great card in Limited, maybe. Uh, yeah. It's one of the only sack outlets, actually. In, in terms of Limited, it's one of the only... Uh, like repeatable sack outlets in the set, um, but I think as a sack outlet in constructed, I don't think I don't think it's super hot. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I just have two more. Mm-hmm. One of them is Right of Oblivion, which also costs a white black for a sorcery that reads as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a non-land permanent, exile target non-land permanent, and it has flashback for two white and black. So, again, because I don't mind sacrificing my creatures in Taser, it's just a two-mana exile any. It's a one-off sack outlet removal spell, which is primo. Yeah. Yeah, premium removal, uh, because it can remove any non-land permanent, and it ultimately will cost you two mana, and possibly, actually, the sacrificing a creature is not a cost, but an upside, because of the way your deck is built. So that's just a really, really strong card to be printed for your deck. Mm-hmm. And last but not least is... Lysa or Lisa, Forgotten Archangel, uh, costs two white, white, black for a legendary creature angel, four, five, with flying and lifelink, and whenever another non-token creature you control dies, return that card to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. So basically every time one of my creatures dies, it comes back to my hand so I can just play again. Yeah, so it's it's a good source of card advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good piece of hate against other graveyard decks Yeah, as well. Uh, I do think this is a solid card. I don't know where it would slot into the deck. It is a, a fantastic value engine by itself. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it doesn't fit into any of the roles of your Aristocrats deck. Uh, it's just a really good card. But do you, you know I mean. say that it doesn't fit in any of the roles because it's a creature? If that was on an enchantment, would you think of it any differently? I kind of see it as an enchantment. Well, that's what I mean. So I, I, I feel like I, you're I saying... find the creature body a bit irrelevant. Yes, it is. It is irrelevant in the deck. So that's that's what I was asking mm. by that. You're saying it doesn't fill a role. I don't know if you were attaching that to a creature. Yeah. So it's not a sack outlet. Mm-hmm. It's not a death trigger, um, and it's not. Well, actually, I it mean, it is a death trigger. Well, it's not a... Yeah, but it's not a death trigger that benefits from being triggered twice. True. 
um, which means it's it's not really yeah so it doesn't synergize with your commander what it allows you to do is get card advantage but just not not specifically in that deck so it is a really good card but i don't think that it fills any of the roles that you want it to fill in your black white aristocrats deck is that what you do so you never change your deck at all cards just have to replace cards that are already there no i'm not i'm not saying that it shouldn't go in uh i am saying i think it will be hard to find a slot i think this is something that you would put into a flex slot Mm. well i think there's a couple of slots in taser that maybe are flex slots that the cards are a little dead they're not awful but Mm. they're not they yeah they don't massively impact the deck so I think I could take one of those out and put this in. Yeah, I think it's really good. I'm a big fan of uh, tinkering with decks mm-hmm. and uh, and constantly switching out cards that are in flex slots. So if you have flex slots, I think this is definitely worth playing with. It's, it is a really good card. Really, It's a value engine in and of itself. Well, it takes away... like I know you're saying it doesn't synergize with Taser, but it synergizes massively with the deck because it takes away the one part of Sacrifice, which sometimes is a little bit annoying which is that you actually lose your creature yeah yeah so, it reduces the cost of sacrificing yeah which, yeah I, I i get that i get that i guess it's an enhancer mm-hmm. and for i have the a deck. couple of cards in the deck that get creatures back from the graveyard to my hand i have one that gets it back to the battlefield but i have two that get it back from the uh, graveyard to my hand so this replaces one of those for sure surely like that does it every single time potentially yeah looking forward to seeing it in action and that is it for me so yeah basically a lot for taser yeah as is usual but this is definitely a uh an aristocratic kind of theme to uh, the set and i think we're going to see more aristocrat cards printed in the next set as well yeah vampires screams aristocrats i think yes so So i I wouldn't be surprised at all to see more support for Mm -hmm. uh, for black white aristocrats um okay so i have a few more that i've picked that that i'm gonna want to pick up for some of my commander decks Mm -hmm. one of them is storm screelix which is three blue red for a drake horror two four it has flying it has instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast Mm -hmm. and whenever you cast an instant or sorcery storm screelix gets plus two plus oh until end of turn um and that goes really nicely with uh festival crasher which is a common in the set um which has a similar ability when you cast an instant sorcery spell it gets plus two plus oh mm-hmm. so these are not quite prowess but pseudo yeah. prowessy creatures which will go quite nicely in my prowess deck mm-hmm. uh, storm screelix is especially good because it already has built-in evasion and it is kind of a ramp spell as well it is an expensive creature and it's not a monk which most mm. of my creatures are yeah um it's not a monk's deck though is it it's not a monk's, monk's deck just t- Prowess just seems to be attached to a lot of monks. Yeah, Prowess is, is just very common on monk creature types. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so we're seeing a lot of this. There's a lot of storm elements to the uh, to in, in the set as well. You mm-hmm. know, there are in, in red and blue, there are a lot of kind of, I want to say stormy cards. Um, and these two are, this is a couple of them that I will probably pick up and see if they fit the bill mm-hmm. in my Prowess deck. Um, and finally... 
Oh, oh, hold on. There's there's also a spell rune painter, which is two and a red for a two three human shaman werewolf. And it reads, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, spell rune painter gets plus one plus one till end of turn, and it has day bound. Mm-hmm. And the night bound side of it is a werewolf, it's a three four, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, it gets plus two plus two till end of turn. Um Okay. Just like the other two cards. It yeah. just seems like it's a solid creature. For a prowess deck mm-hmm. and it would be nice to be able to introduce uh daybound nightbound yes into uh, any deck i like playing around with new mechanics so i will definitely pick up those three creatures and see because they're all quite cheap uh see whether they slot into the deck anywhere how they feel um and then finally one more card which may not actually go into any of my decks but i, I think i will pick it up because i think it's going to potentially be a commander staple Um, And that is Mystic Skull. So Mystic Skull is a two-mana artifact. It's colorless. And it reads, pay one mana and tap to add one mana of any color. So it's color Mm -hmm. filtering. It's it's color correction, Mm -hmm. which is pretty handy in a five-color deck. And then it reads, pay five generic mana, tap Mystic Skull, transform Mystic Skull. And it transforms into Mystic Monstrosity, which is an artifact creature. It's a 5-6. And it has the ability, lands you control, have, tap to add one mana of any color. Okay. So, it is a kind of more expensive, bit more conditional chromatic lantern. Yeah. Um, but I do really think that this is a good budget option for very color intensive decks. Mm-hmm. So things like perhaps your Atraxa deck. Yeah. I do have a five-color deck, which I probably wouldn't play this in. Maybe I would actually, because it's colorless, which also synergizes with the deck. Um, but it's it like it being able to sort of color fix for you early, mm-hmm. and then once you've got five mana, you can kind of turn it into a, a chromatic lantern on a five-six body, which is nothing to sniff yeah. at really. Um, I think it's a it's a good budget commander staple, and, mm-hmm. and I would like to think that this card will see more play. And I think that if you're building a budget but five color or four color deck, uh, this is a genuinely decent option. Okay. So I wanted to uh, I wanted to say I'll probably I would probably pick that up. I don't know whether it would go in any of my decks, but it would be one that I would want to pick up for maybe cubes or something. So not actually the assignment. Fine, it's going in my five color. <laughs> it's going in my five color deck. <laughs> I feel like it's not even that good in your five color deck. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Because I do. So, what I like about this card. Uh, so, my five color deck is uh, Morathon the Boundless, five color, colorless Eldrazi. Yes. Which is nonsense, and it's really <laughs> hard to play. Um, but it, it generates. I need all five colors. Yeah. And I need loads of colorless. Mm hmm. Um, so I have things like the Tron Lands and Forsaken Temple, or is that what it's called? Uh, and then the, like the Ugin Lands, mm-hmm. which all generate extra colorless mana. Because I need loads of colorless to play my commander and to yep. play big Eldrazi. Uh, but I also need all five colors for, um, well, <laughs> to all my other cards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is something that I could... So if I get this in the late game, for seven mana, I could transform it straight away and turn it into a chromatic lantern yeah. so in the late game this could be a seven mana five six chromatic lantern which if you're playing a tron deck 
could be turn three. <laughs> but could, you could just play Chromatic Lantern. I do. So, so it's would kind it of be like a, as well as because hmm, I don't because I, I don't well think as? saying I think it would be as well as Chromatic Lantern is better than that's this. what I was gonna say. I don't think saying oh I'll, I could place the, I could pay seven mana and make this Chromatic Lantern because you could just pay three mm-hmm. mana for a Chromatic Lantern. No, I think that if you're playing a five color deck, then two mana for a color filtering spell like this is not very good. Yeah, but. I make a lot of colourless mana mm-hmm. with this deck, and I do need all five colours. Yeah. So, being able to turn colourless mana into coloured mana... Um, yes, that's fair, yeah. That is quite useful, yeah. So that, that's where colour filtering is a bit better, mm-hmm. is if I can make a lot... Like, if I can play a land that gives me two colourless and, and turn, turn one of them into, into yeah. any colour... That's a lot better. So this actually potentially could go into the deck. I don't know exactly where. I don't know if it's... Uh, it might be better than one of the random mana rocks I have. Although it's not ramp. And that's really important. This is not ramp. It's just colour fixing. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's a good budget option. So I, I will pick it up. And uh, play around with it in my decks. Maybe just leave it in the collection for future cubes. Mm-hmm. But that is all of the cards that I want to pick up from this set. Even if I had all the money in the world, I wouldn't buy more than that because none of the other cards in the set are going to go into any of my constructed decks. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point. I think if we'd have just said any cards you think are cool, mm-hmm. like, I I think I want to build a new commander deck. I think I'm going to base it around Innistrad, but I'm going to wait until Crimson Vow comes out and so see... You, you see all the options available Yes, to because you. what I like from Innistrad is the fact that it's classic horror. So yeah. I don't really know what the commander deck's going to be, but I think a lot of those cards will just be super cool to go in mm-hmm. it. Teferi Who Slows the Sunset is a dope card. Um, But I wouldn't buy it under this scenario Mm. because it isn't going to go into any of my decks. And then it's just a card. It's just not. And then it's just a card. Uh, So, yeah, I'm not picking it up here. So I have 11 cards where you have nine. Uh, Cards, but... There's multiple copies and things like that. Yeah. so I am buying more cards than you, mm-hmm. but still not many of the hundreds of cards in the set. Probably only about fifteen for me, and probably only about thirteen for you. Yeah, and like I've, I've in this conversation already decided that uh, there's a couple I don't want to buy anymore. So <laughs> mine's probably more like seven now. That's why it's good to talk about. <laughs> um, what is your total value? How much would you have to spend on singles to get every card you actually wanted from Innistrad Midnight Hunt? So the full list that I went over, because as I've just said, I'll definitely take a couple of those out now, uh, but I don't have the price of the individual cards right here. So for those, it's thirty two thirty five, and, and about half of that, I believe, is uh, Meat Hook Massacre. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe just under half. <laughs> uh, for me, it's twenty one eighty five. Mm-hmm. I think I am missing off the price of three more copies of Consider, which would probably cost me about 50p. Uh, so let's call it £22. No, that maths doesn't add up at all, but (laughs) let's call it £22. Um, And I find that really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think it really goes to show that if you kind of take a similar approach as we do to collecting and playing Magic, for the price of a single pre-release kit, I could buy every card that I want from this set to put into all of my constructed decks um, for for twenty two pounds mm-hmm. for the cost of one pre release kit, yeah, and that really goes to show for the cost of six packs, uh, I could buy every card I actually want to play from mm-hmm. this set. 
Um, and so, I mean, I think I, th I think it's a really good way to highlight how much cheaper it is to just buy the singles that you need yeah. rather than buy packs or collect cards. Yeah, I agree, because I think I would rather spend, even if, even if it was like five cards, let's say, I would rather spend the cost of a pre-release box on four or five cards. Mm -hmm. Probably not any less than that, only because I don't particularly like to buy... I kind of have about a £10 limit, I think, that I would spend on a card. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to spend any more than that on one individual card. Uh, well, I think this is a better way to do it. Um, like, if there was a single card that I wanted in the set that cost £22, mm. I think looking at this, I would probably buy it. £25 worth of singles for each magic set that comes out, I think is an amount of money that I would happily pay. Yeah, I, I suppose I struggle a little bit with the fact that that would be £25 on one card. Like, it's just a card. That, mm -hmm. ju that just seems like a lot of money to me. Anything above £10, which is just an amount that I've came up with right now, I think, just seems like a lot for one card. But I guess you're right, I'm going to play it. Yep. So it's £25 to upgrade a deck for a game that I play at least once a week do a magic podcast on so okay, yeah I suppose yeah. it's relevant I have a question mm -hmm. um, would you rather buy all of these cards that you've listed for 30 to 35 yeah or one anointed procession assuming oh. they were the same price they probably are um Anointed Procession is better than every card there. Yes, but I already have a proxy Anointed Procession, so... Yeah, yeah, um, but you could proxy all of no, these I don't, I don't think I don't. I don't think I can be okay with spending. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could. I, I, we are like a pro-proxy group, but I think even if you guys turn around to me and said, we're not doing proxy anymore... So take out all the cards in your decks that are proxies, which a mm. lot would come out of Rin and Seri. All of them do the same thing as Anointed Protestrian, which is double tokens. I don't think I'd spend that money. I just accept that I have a worse deck. <laughs> yeah, so we are a pro-proxy group. I don't proxy, still. Um, and that's not because I don't support and like proxying. Uh, it's just a choice that I make. You were proxying, though. You've bought the cards that you, prox that you proxied initially. Yeah, if I proxy a card... Um, it will be because I want to test it in a deck and I will buy it if, yeah. if, I, if I want to keep it in. Uh, and that's just the way that I like to, mm -hmm. uh, I like to play Magic. Um, I would probably rather buy one copy of Ulamog than the, uh, than the 15 or so cards that I've got listed here. And I would do that. Yeah, I, don't, I think with that, though, and I think there with the 15 cards you've got listed, that's what was it, three decks going to be upgrading? With those 15 uh, yeah. cards? Mm -hmm. Maybe four, because you didn't really say where Mystic Skull was definitely going to go. So yeah. three to four decks you're going to be upgrading versus one deck. So does that come into it at all? The fact that the same amount of money goes to upgrading more of your decks. That's therefore changing idea. the way that you play more of your decks. Therefore changing your magic experience more. Well, it's something to chew on. Um, I think it warrants further discussion. And I, I do think it's probably pretty subjective. Maybe there is not an answer that we'll ever all agree on uh but i do think that we should wrap up the episode there mm -hmm. so thank you for joining me for this episode sarah you're welcome and thank you for joining me for this episode sam sam well okay i guess we'll just wrap it up there and we'll catch up with you all next week
and one of those cards is Lisa? 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 I think it's Lisa. Lisa? 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 Good start. <laughs> um, one of those, Forgotten Archangel, which costs two white, white, black. Archangel? Archangel? Arch oh, yeah. Archangel? Okay. <laughs> okay. Arch Hangel. 